Over 400 broken power poles, lines on the ground, and entire communities in the dark for weeks while linemen are trapped by falling trees during hurricane force winds. And no, I'm not talking about a harrowing situation involving a power company at the beach. I'm talking about a hurricane that hit the mountains. That storm's name? Hugo. At around midnight on September 22nd of 1989, Hurricane Hugo makes landfall near Charleston, South Carolina, with winds gusting over 135 miles per hour. But it doesn't stop there. Thanks to other nearby storms over the United States, Hugo is drawn inland at a breakneck pace. Hugo is able to maintain hurricane strength well inland in the Carolinas, leaving a devastating trail of destruction from Charleston all the way to the mountains. For years, we've heard the stories of Hugo from the perspectives of the people who forecasted the storm or reported on it, but today I have a different view to share. A look back at Hugo from the guys who worked in it and personally witnessed the destruction of the power grid. Today's episode of Unplug starts a two-part series about the devastation caused by the storm in northwestern North Carolina. On this episode are some of Hugo's heroes. Director of Operations, Robert Kent. Caldwell District Operations Manager, Jeff Benfield, and Ash District Operations Manager, Mike Kincaid. I, I can remember, um, I remember meeting in the room and Bob Moretz came in um, which was, I guess, the director of operations for Blue Ridge at the time. And he, he was somebody that looked at the weather and was big on ham radios and had been talking to a lot of ham radio operators. And he, he said, you know, this thing's coming right into Charleston. And he direct pathed it right up through Charlotte and right to us. And so he, he kind of felt like it was coming our direction. Of course, back in, I guess it was 89, um, we didn't have all the media and the social media and all that type, the weather forecasting that we have now. It doesn't seem like so. I remember as a lineman sitting in <clears throat> our, our safety meeting room or conference room, and we were talking about it. And, um, you know, of course, as a lineman, you're thinking, yeah, yeah, that's not what hit us and come up our way. But um, Bob said it was coming, and it sure did right up, right up our way. Uh, was what I remember prior to that. And we were planning just like we do now. Um, but of course, we didn't know the extent of what was coming our way at that time. I believe when I first realized that it was here, Robert, I think you might have been with us. I know Harry was. We, we lost the power on high bright. And uh, mm -hmm. they said, go back up there and get this back on so we can, uh, so the radios went down. Yeah. And we got up there and we shut trees out of the road and it's falling behind us. It's we cut them and so it, it actually ran us off the mountain, ran us all back into dispatch down here. And they said, just everybody come in. And as old Chad used to say, we need to get in here and regroup, boys. And uh, it was, uh, so everybody got back in. And I remember when somebody pulled up, opened that steel door, it threw that steel door out of their hand. That door was heavy. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that made us realize what was going on. And so they kind of all got us back together. And, let the storm go through, then we went out to assess the damage. And I was just a apprentice three. And uh, so, you know, I was this glass eyed, you know, and uh, that was the biggest thing we'd ever seen. So that's kind of how, that's the first part I remember of it. 
And for people who are listening to this podcast right now, Highbright Mountain, if you're not familiar with it, it's, it's one of the higher points in central Caldwell County. And he's talking about the communication towers on top of Highbright Mountain, which you can see from the lower elevations. And it's kind of a peak in the middle of the county. It's a good point for communication. So critical during a storm to keep that on. It's something that we serve. So that's what Jeff's talking about is initially seeing that go off during the storm. That could be in the Watauga district. I remember talking to some of our older line technicians then, and some of them had 30 years experience then. You know, nothing like that had ever hit the mountains. And and they talked like, you know, we, we probably wouldn't get much from it. And that's what we was expecting, you know, get a little rain, maybe just a little bit wind. But it was a whole different story when it came in. What were the exact moments you guys realized oh, no, we might be in trouble. Like, you know, what were the first moments? Was it the wind impact or was it just really the path that kind of did it for you? Robert, I know you talked about uh, the day before and, and Jeff, you were talking about those heavy doors. But what was the moment you're like, wow, this is a little bit different than maybe what I've experienced before? I guess for, for me, it was um, I was actually on call that night with with my cousin, Harry, and we were down in um went down to Lord Draco, um, it was about midnight, something like that, and actually got a breaker back on down there and put a couple spans of wire back up. But for me, it, it was probably, as Jeff said there, um, you know, they, they eventually got us all back in. And when we finally all got back into the office, um, when the power went out at the office and somebody went over and they said there was two or three broke double circuit poles over there, that that began to realize how bad it was probably going to be. Um, not realizing that we were going to lose every bit of the power in um, feeding out of the coal um, district and um, didn't have a meter turning uh, after it came through. So, um, but, but for me, I guess the realization of the bad weather, seeing it and uh, the lines around here. And then when we lost the power and, you know, we had broke poles and um, feeding the, the, general office in the call district double circuit broke poles we knew it was going to be bad i think at the end did we have over well they wasn't a meter turning in caldwell and uh, right. didn't have like a 400 broke pole yeah it, broke poles. it was yeah it was a, a, a unbelievable amount <laughs> and mike i guess um it's a little bit different you were up in watauga at the time i know you and i spoke about that earlier so I guess the impacts were not less necessarily, but I guess a little bit delayed since Caldwell would have been impacted by the storm first. So what was that oh no moment kind of for you during the storm? Well, like Robert, I was actually on call and we didn't start that morning until around four o'clock. We lost Lambo Road circuit, our blowing rock. And uh, we went out there and then we had a few more calls over toward the west end and we started toward the west end of the county. And, uh, as it started getting daylight, that's when we really started seeing the impacts at daylight. It's like it just turned loose and trees was a fall and the creeks was a flood. There was uh, several low water bridges already after daylight underwater from all the hard drains. And like Jeff was talking about, they called us back into the office to regroup. And uh, when we got into the office and got to seeing what all we were losing, that was when we knew that we was getting hit. Being a lineman during that time and being a lineman any time, a lot of people are really appreciative of the work that linemen do. You know, they're really appreciative of all that you're going out and taking care of during a storm because a lot of people are sitting at home in the comfort of their house during these storms and they may not they may not have power at the time, but they're still safe and they're inside. 
and I always think that speaks magnitudes because I think it takes a different type of person to be outside, literally outside in those conditions. You know, when you're working in these types of conditions, does the fear ever creep in during those types of storms? I would say more anxiety and uh, a lot of praying going on out there a lot of times too. I mean, uh, you're up a pole and uh, I mean, whether it's an ice storm or an ice storm really worse than a hurricane when you're up a pole and ice in the building and, uh, you know, you get a line sagged up and you hear a tree pop and you just hope it's not going to hit the line if you're pulling up. Uh, a hurricane, you know, it kind of, it comes through and if, if you're inside or regrouping, it kind of goes on, then you just got the mess to clean up. Uh, you know, so it's, it's different, it's different things, but I'd say uh, not really fear. Lyman, you know, they've got their mind wrapped around what they're going to do and they kind of, to say that I had been scared death going up a pole, I'd be lying to you with, with the ice or the wind or whatever, but more of a more of an anxiety, I reckon, what you're looking at and, and fear. Yeah, I, I never felt any fear during that particular storm. I know we were coming back through Grace Chapel and there was a tobacco barn fire or something they reported. And um so we we were coming up through through Dudley in that area and we actually got boxed in, trees were across the road, and so we were having to cut our way through. And so, you know, we were very, you know, we were looking for trees that were coming down at the time because, um, like I said, we were boxed in. We couldn't go either direction for a while there until, until we cut some trees out of the road to move on into Grace Chapel. Um, so uh, the fear of the trees coming down would probably be during this particular storm um, was really the only time I was nervous. And we were trying to keep a pretty close eye on that to make sure we weren't around the real tall trees that could, you know, fall and hit the trucks or something like that. Yeah, <clears throat> what you say, Rob, exactly right. The trees, the fire, it, it's not so much fear, but you're really aware of what's going on and you're trying to watch. And uh, because the trees at that time when the wind was blowing the way it was, they just let go. And uh, which we run up on the same thing as Jeff talked about, the fire storms. And, and things like that. Uh, these times you go to climb a pole, you know what I'm saying? Lord, let me get up here and get down without a tree falling because it's always possible. And, you know, something that stuck with me, I think, Robert, I think he might have said it just a few moments ago. You talked about 400 poles being broken, or maybe it was Jeff. Someone said it just a minute ago about 400 poles being broken. Now, for the member who maybe doesn't follow as closely along with um, Blue Ridge or how we restore power, when you have a storm of that magnitude, what are the first steps? How are you getting the power back on in really any storm when it's knocked out that much power and it's caused that much damage? What's ground zero to getting that put back on? You know, this particular storm, Jacob, um, most of the time uh, you don't have a lot of transmission out. Um, you know, you have transmission lines out, but most of the time your backbone stays up pretty good. Uh, this particular storm, I remember um, going down the next day and we were cutting trees off the transmission line going from um, sawmills over to Hudson. The, you know, there are trees on that transmission line. Um, I know Duke had lost feed to the Dudley station. Um, I don't remember we having trees on the transmission lines um, out of Lenore going up to uh, Patterson and Elk Creek, but Probably my guess would be that Duke had lost their transmission line in Lenore. I don't remember that per se, but 
Um, so, so the transmission system held up pretty well down here. Like I said, we did have some trees on um, the Hudson line. Remember cutting those off, but no, no conductor on the ground um, other than trees smashing it down um, that, that I remember. I, I don't remember any broke arms or things like that on, on that particular section of line there. Mostly damage to distribution, and that's where I think Jeff, speaking of the 400 poles, um, was the distribution side. Well, that marks the end of our first part of the Remembering Hugo series. Stay tuned for part two, and thank you for listening. <laughs>